We read the scriptures to not forget where we've come from and where we're going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment this morning with me to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Amen. Welcome to Faith Church. We're really glad you're here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you personally yet, my name is Matthew and I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And it's a joy to open up scripture to, with you today. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 108 here in just a minute. Or if you've got your device, you can go to faithchurchks.org and uh, follow along in all of the sermon notes. And you can see all these things and take your own notes if you'd like. Um, hey, this week we sent out a uh, kind of a survey to our church family. And I want to say thank you to those who have kind of responded and let us know kind of where you're at, just kind of taking the pulse of our church and broader online community as we start making plans for the future. And we are really, really excited about what's coming up at Easter. You know, we're only a few weeks away from celebrating Easter Sunday. And uh, Easter Sunday is going to be a great celebration here at Faith Church. We're going to do water baptism in the 9.30 and the 11 during the context of our, our service. And so it's going to be a huge, fun celebration. And so if you have never gone public and taken that step of faith, man, now's the time to do it. You can find some information. Uh, stop, talk with some of us out in the lobby or go to our central hub if you're watching online and you can find information about that. Uh, but I want to let you know about some of our plans for Easter. We've got several things in the works, including what should be available starting next Sunday, kind of what we're calling an interactive journey through Easter. It's going to be a kit with a devotional and a lot of wonderful goodies for you and your family to interact with a devotion through the week of Easter. So it's going to start on Passion Sunday or on Palm Sunday. And go all week long, a devotion and activities and scripture reading all, at one every day, all week leading up to Easter Sunday. We think it's going to be a, a wonderful opportunity to kind of engage on a journey to Easter all together. And uh, we'll be sharing with you next week how you can get a, a, your own kind of journey to Easter kit. Um, whether here in space or, or in, in, in space, here in this place. <laughs> we'll send some to Mars if you want to follow along the journey through Easter. Um, and then those of you watching online, how you can get your hands on a copy of those things as well. And the last thing I wanted to, to mention as it relates to our Easter service plans um, is part of our journey that week is going to include a Good Friday service that will be online only and on demand available for you anytime on Friday That'll fit within your family's plans that day. Um, as well, on Easter Sunday, we'll have two services, 9.30 and 11. 9.30, we will have kids ministry available. The 11 o'clock service, we will not have kids ministry available. We're at a point still in the rebuilding process where we still need uh, close to 20 plus more team members to make the 11 o'clock kids experience happen on a regular basis. And uh, so if you're like, hey, I want to be a part with that, I want to 
help provide a space for kids, well, let us know. We'd love to help you take that next step for sure. Uh, but for Easter Sunday, what that means is that in the 11 o'clock service, we want to have kids ministry, which means those who have kids will want to come to the 930. So I'm asking for those of you who don't need to utilize our kids ministry, even if you regularly come to the 930, show up at 11 instead and create more space in here for those who need it. Those of you that are already here right now in the 11 o'clock, well done. Thank you for making room and being here worshiping with us. And so Easter's going to be a, a wonderful celebration, and we hope you'll participate and engage with us as we get there. Well, are you ready for, for the word today? Come on, it's, it's going to be good. Let's go. Psalms 108, starting in verse 1 through verse 5, says this, My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. That's L-Y-R-E, not like you liar, liar, pants on fire. Different kind of lyre here. It's a stringed instrument. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love. Higher than the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let me read you a passage from the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 5, and then skipping to verse 9 and 10. This is what it says. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Somebody turn to your neighbor and tell him you look like a priest. Go ahead. You look like a priest. You are a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Don't miss this next part. Through Jesus Christ. We can offer worship and sacrifice to God because Jesus made a way for you and I to do it. It's only through Jesus that we can come into the presence of God and still stand. It's because of what Jesus has done. He goes on to say, but you, man, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. This is, they're, they're describing you and I as, as followers of Jesus. Listen to these, holy nation, chosen people, whole, a royal priesthood, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him, God Almighty, who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you hadn't received mercy, oh, but now you have received mercy. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. I want to bring a message to you today about God's choice. God's choice. We've been in this collection where we've been talking about the practice of worship, where we're looking at the spiritual practice of what does it look like, why do we do it, what is worship, and how do we do it in a God-honoring way. And I, I want to talk a little bit about, about this today. Now, quick, quick thought. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered what it would be like if they didn't have a musical score in some of the most intense scenes? That you could go to YouTube and watch movies um, or clips of your favorite movies 
with the musical score removed entirely from it. Something just doesn't seem as moving watching Rocky run through the streets of Philadelphia with no eye of the tiger playing behind it. It just doesn't seem right. In fact, the, the, you can watch some of them and they're very, uh, very odd. And it feels very weird to watch Jack uh, and Rose float in the sinking of Titanic and no music behind it at all. It's like, this is kind of awkward. Music adds something to our experience. Music adds something to a moment simply because music has a way of moving the soul. I believe music was God's idea. I believe within you and I, he has placed certain musical instruments. We have rhythm. Well, some of us have rhythm, right? Like you have wind instruments just within your own lungs, right? There's a string of vibration in the back of your throat that helps make certain notes. And says, even within you, there has been music placed for us to make music, I believe, that honors the Lord. Music has a way of moving the soul. In fact, they've, they've done some studies. In fact, you, in uh, the earliest study was in 1962 by a man by the name of Dr. T.C. Singh. And the study was on the impact of plants that has music playing. In fact, here's what they did. They exposed some balsam plants to classical music and found that their growth rate increased by 20% compared to another controlled group of the same plants, along with a 72% increase just in sheer biomass of the plants themselves. Uh, years ago, I don't know if you remember the, the show on Discovery, Mythbusters. And Mythbusters did an episode where they took um, three different groupings of plants in the exact same kind of plant, in the exact same environment. And the only thing different about those three plants over a 60-day period of time was whether they had music playing in the, in, the, in the space or they didn't have music playing in the space. And here's what they found among the three groups that the winning group had a greater plant growth mass over the 60 days, and it was the one that had the loudest soundtrack playing in, in its space. The one that performed the poorest was the one that didn't have any music at all connected to it. In 2007, there was a paper from the scientists in South Korea's National Institute of Agriculture Biotechnology, and they proposed that two genes involved in the plant's response to light. These two um, genes are RBCS and ALD and are turned on. These two genes are turned on. They're activated when music is played at a minimum of 70 decibels. 70 decibels is about the normal volume of a human conversation one to another. If you're in my house, it's closer to probably like 85 decibels is normal conversation level. But that's another point and another subject for another day. And they began to find that in the study that the plants um, grew faster and were more um, flourishing depending on the frequency and the higher the frequency, the greater the growth. What does all of this have to do with worship, Pastor? Here's what I believe it has to do with. Worship and music is meant to move us and help us flourish. If it will do it for a plant, I believe that something in your spiritual life grows and flourishes through worship. 
I think worship has a way of growing our faith and developing us when we make a decision to practice worship God's way. There's something that changes in us, something that's accelerated in us. And I believe this, that the practice of worship is God's alone to define. He gets to define it. I don't get to tell God what worship is. He gets to tell me what worship is. And I think it's really, really important. In fact, when you read scripture, and we're going to look at several scriptures. I'm just going to read them off real quick. You will hear and see and notice that God defines the practice of worship upon certain expressions like clapping, dancing, kneeling, lifted hands, instruments of all kinds, singing, and shouting. This is how God defines the practice of worship and the appropriate ways in which we express our worship. Psalms 47 verse 1 says this, clap your hands, all you nations, and shout to God with cries of joy. Psalms 149 verse 3, let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. Ephesians 3.14 says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. Psalms 95 verse 6, come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Psalms 95, 1 through 2, uh, verses 1 and 2. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So for those of you that are like instruments, it's not of God. Scripture begs to differ. Let us come before him with music and with song. They're both listed there. Psalms 134 verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. There's an understood subject in that sentence. You lift up your hands. You are the understood subject of that sentence. Some of you are like, I thought we were talking about worship, not grammar. You're right. Let's get back to the scripture. That's probably the extent of the grammar that I care to impart into your life today anyways. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Psalm 63, verse 4. I will praise you as long as I live. So there's not an age demographic that is appropriate to worship and not appropriate to worship. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands hands. 1 Timothy 2.9. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. I want the men everywhere to lift up their hands. No arguments, not with anger, but I want him to lift them up. Psalms 81, verse 1, sing for joy to God our strength, shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Psalm 98, verse 4 through 6, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. How many of you, confession time, fall into the category of joyful noise rather than melodically accurate. Come on, go ahead, wave your hands. Like when you sing, you know it is just 
It, a joy, some of you ought to be joining the worship team because ain't nobody lifting their hands in this place. And I just got to say, I think some of you ought to be lifting your hands in this, in this place. We is the Joyful Noise crew. You know what I love about our church? Is that we have a singing church. When, when, the, when the music gets soft, you can hear other people around you singing. It's wonderful. I love it. But we also keep the music up at a certain volume. You know why? Not because we're young and we like it loud. We want it so loud you can't hear yourself singing so your joyful noise can match right along with the accurate noise that you're hearing from the stage. You're welcome. Right? Like, everyone sounds good in the shower. We just figure if we crank the volume up around here loud enough, you can sing and not feel bad about how bad you're singing. Right? Because we can all make a joyful noise to the Lord. It says, do it all the earth, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre and the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sounds of the horns, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Isaiah 38, 20, the Lord will save me and will sing, and, and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make melody and music from your heart. To the Lord. How does God define the practice of worship? It is clapping, it is singing, it is dancing, it is hands lifted, it is kneeling and bowing before Him as unto the Lord. It is physical expressions of worship to the Lord among the people of God. And you might be sitting there and be like, I don't, I don't know, I'm not really comfortable with like public displays of affection towards God. I'm not good with the PDA. That's okay. He was. God's good with it. He's the one who gets to set the definition of what worship is and what worship isn't. I, I would go almost as far as to say, if you are limiting your expressions of worship on the regular basis to what is comfortable to you, you might have a heart issue and need to examine your surrender. Hands being lifted is the universal sign of God. I surrender. And if we are unwilling to lift our hands, what is it we're unwilling to surrender to God? I think we have to ask that. God gets to define our worship. God gets to define it. It's the practice of our worship is not determined by my level of comfort zone of expressions of worship, my personality, or what intellectually aligns with my own dogma. No, no. The, my worship and the practice and the expression of my worship gets to de be defined by the fullness of God's description of what is worship. He gets to define what is worship and what is not. Friends, I, I want to challenge you today Whatever kind of expressions you're okay with in worship, I want to encourage you to take one step just out of your comfort zone this week. Maybe you've never lifted your hands. Maybe this week you lift your hands. Maybe you've never sang out loud. Maybe you start singing out loud. Crank up the volume so you can't hear how bad it is and just sing. At the end of the day, is your heart being offered to God in full surrender? to worship the way that he wants to be worshiped. This is part of his love language. And we get to communicate our love to him in the way that he longs for it to be created. Friends, I'm, I'm not talking about an emotional experience. 
worship isn't defined, proper worship isn't defined by the level of emotions you experience within the context of your worship. Emotions may or may not occur. You don't have to have the goosey bumps and the Holy Spirit chills in order for worship to be appropriate. That's not the definition of worship. I really do believe that, that worship is the measurement of our willingness to act and demonstrate our worship despite how we feel. In fact, you could say it like this. I believe that the practice of worship is an act of faith expressed through my will and choice. It, look at Psalms 104, verse 33. It says, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will praise to my God as long as I live. I will, I will, I will. The psalmist is saying, worshiping God, singing to the Lord, lifting my hands to him, kneeling before him is a choice I make. I will do this. Not like, eh, if I feel like it, I will. If I really like the song the worship team is doing, I'm in on it. If I know the song that they're singing, then I'll worship. No, it's, it's an act of your will. It's a choice you make no matter what. Friends, love is a choice. Without free will, you have no real love. Forced adoration and affection is abuse. If God is forcing us to do something and we don't have a part to play by choosing it of our own, if we don't have a free will, and we're just robotically doing something. We are being forced to do something. And in our world, we would call that an abuse. God is after your heart, surrendered. A choice of your free will to him. It's worship to him. It's a choice that I make. See, in worship, on Sunday, in worship, on my own, in my house, on worship when I'm in my office, in worship when I'm driving in my car, I choose to pour out my heart's adoration towards God and to sing of his greatness and return glory to his name. It is a choice that I make. This morning before the day got started, an hour earlier than I cared for it to start, having lost this hour of sleep that apparently we don't get back, until the fall. What a trickster this, this thing is, I tell you what. This morning, had a cup of coffee, because that's when God really starts to move in my life. The cup of coffee in my hand. Everything was dark in our house. I had my iPad out, started pulling up my notes and turned on some worship music. And I sat on the floor in our living room, one hand lifted, coffee in hand, singing to the Lord. Semi-quietly because my children were still asleep. Nobody made me do that. I wasn't doing it to impress anybody else. I was doing it as an act of my will, expressing my love to my God. And he met me there this morning. He met me there. And he'll meet you there when you make a decision of your own will. Friends, listen, I believe worship was designed to help build our faith, not tickle our feelings. I really do. I really believe that worship is 
is, is one of the, the things that it cultivates is our actual faith, our growth, our spiritual maturity. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. It says this, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, or having some discernment, not as fools, but as wise. In other words, walk in a way that demonstrates that there has been some fruit and transformation and change that's occurred in your life. It says, don't walk as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, he's writing and saying, you need to understand what God's will is. And the more you walk with the Lord, the more uh, faith you have growing in your life, the the more uh, of a heart that you have for God, the more mature you are as a follower of Jesus, you are able to discern these things. Then he goes on to say this. He says, so don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but instead be filled with the Spirit. In the original language, it's a be filled continually. Be being filled is actually how it should read. Continually fill yourself with the Spirit, speaking to one another, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Something happens when you make a decision of your will to worship God. You are allowing the Spirit of God that has indwelt in you the moment you got saved to be filled up. You are allowing the Spirit and the presence of God to fill you in such a degree that there's no more room for anything but God in your life. How do you overcome the sins and the things that are always tripping you up and the attitudes? You want to know? You allow yourself to be full of the Spirit. One of the ways we can fill ourselves up is to worship God continually. To be in a place where we are singing and we're worshiping God his way. It builds our faith. It doesn't just tickle our feelings. I think the proof of a moment of worship is not the emotional experience that transpires in the moment, but rather the fruit of faith that has grown in your life in the future. How do you know if an expression of worship that somebody is offering is just uh, just being emotional? They're more emotional than me. I'm not emotional like that, Pastor. That's just all emotional, charismatic stuff. You want to know what the difference? How do you you know if something is being done out of emotionalism versus just emotions that are accompanying a moment in the presence of God? The fruit after. The fruit of their life after. Are they walking away more discerning? Are they walking away more full of the Spirit? Or do they just have a moment that stayed there something transpire beyond that i think worship ought to be the choice that we make whether we feel it or not whether we know the song or not whether we've been in a, in a season where it's been raining for days and we lose an hour of sleep or not it's a choice you make psalms 42 verse 5 says why my soul are you downcast why are you so disturbed within me put your hope in god For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Here the psalmist is expressing, in my darkest days, in the moments when the anxiety has risen within me, I am downcast, I am droopy, I am living without any external expressions of joy in my life. Why do I feel this way? I don't know, but my response is to put my hope in God and to praise him. Because it doesn't matter the circumstances around my life, 
God is still worthy of my worship. It doesn't matter if it changes the, the situation. It doesn't matter if we have to wear masks for another full year. He is still worthy of our worship and our praise. It doesn't matter if nothing changes circumstantially in our kids' lives. He's still worthy of our worship. It doesn't matter if I feel like a dark cloud of depression that hangs on my head again and again and again. He's still worthy and I can choose with my will to say, God, you're worthy of it all. You can have it all, Lord. You can have it all. Sometimes circumstances that surround our worship, they change. They did for Paul and Silas. Something miraculous took place in the life of Paul and Silas when they made a decision in, in one of the most difficult seasons of their life, jailed, bound in chains, having just been beaten. And they made a decision to worship and lift up songs to the Lord. Can you just imagine having crushed ribs from the beating that they took? And with every breath that probably drew quite pain, they lifted up a song of praise to God. They made a choice to worship and something miraculous took place. Sometimes the circumstances change. We're going to talk about the battle and how worship is a weapon in, in, our, in our warfare. We're going to talk about that next week. But friends, there are some circumstances that haven't changed, but yet I'm worshiping still. There are things that have occurred in your life that haven't changed yet. The situations haven't diminished or worked out for your good yet. But God's still worthy of your worship. Don't let the enemy steal your song. Come on, that's a good word for somebody. Don't let the enemy steal your song. Psalms 149 verse 5 says, Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. What an interesting poetic phrase to use, on their beds. I, I really believe that as you, you see that phrase throughout the Psalms, it's a bit of a lamentation and an acknowledgement of the pain of their life. Sitting on their deathbed, yet they still worshiped God. I've known people who were walking through the darkest days of their life, literally through the hospital, facing death, and yet, songs of praise were still coming out of their mouth. It's an act of our will. It's a choice of our faith. It's not about how you feel, whether you like the songs, it's your style or not. Well, if they'd sing them things from the songbook, I'd sing a little louder. Show me that one in Scripture. It's not there. Is God worthy of our worship, or is he not? Friends, I propose to us today that he absolutely is. And the definition of our worship is set by God alone. Here's the last thought. And then we're going to come to the Lord's table and have a moment in the presence of God. The practice of worship, friends, is our choice to draw near to God. And it brings God face to face with us. Your choice to worship God. What happens? It brings you drawing near to the Lord. And as you draw near to the Lord, he brings you face to face. The result of an act of faith of our worship is God's presence moving in our direction. It's the evidence of his peace, his joy, and faith that is developed within us. 
Worship is absolutely our gift to the God of the universe. Our song is a song that we lift as a gift, an offering to the God who owns everything. What do you give a God who owns everything? Something only you can bring. Only you can bring your song. Only I can bring my song. Only you can lift your hands. Only I can lift my hands. This is what we bring the God of the universe. And you know what's awesome? We worship based on his worthiness, not like what he gives us. We don't show up to worship because it makes us feel good. We show up to worship because he is worthy. But he's a good father. And in his benevolence, he takes our gift of worship that we bring to him. And he does something amazing. He turns his face towards us in response to our worship towards him. Pastor, what what do you mean? I mean, the Bible says when you seek him, you find him. You seek him. I mean that when, when his face turned towards you, it's his essence, it's his presence, it's going in your direction. Hebrews 11 says that God is a rewarder of those who are diligently seeking him. What does he reward you with? Not more money, not a bigger house, not possessions and making you feel good about yourself. No, you want to know what his reward is? His presence. His presence is the reward. His presence is the reward. Psalm 27 verse 8 says, My heart says to you, seek his face. Not his favor, not more money. No, no. I'm here to seek your face, God. I'm not here to do my religious deeds so I don't go to hell one day and I can stand up and say, I was in church every Sunday, Lord. There will be people who will stand before God and say, I was at church every week. I taught Sunday school. I did this. And he will say, depart from me. I don't actually know you. Why? Because your relationship with God was never cultivated. You never met with God face to face. That's the reward. When we seek him, he turns towards us. Psalms 27, your face, Lord, I will seek. Not eternity, not escaping hell, not being righteous in my own eyes, not not more religion, not, not better status, not an answer to my prayer, not, no, no, I'm just here to seek your face, God. In the Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament was written in, the word for face is this word, Panim, P-A-N-I-M, face. It was understood, and the concept in Hebrew is that when someone turns their face towards you, they are turning their essence, their attention, and their very presence in your direction. The word Panim is often translated in the Old Testament as the word presence. To have God's face turned towards you and to seek his face is to seek his presence. This is why the Levitical prayer of blessing in Numbers chapter 6 verse 24 where it says the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face, his panem, his presence 
shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his face towards you, his pan and his presence towards you and give you peace. There is a grace and a peace that exists only in the presence of God. And many of us are living our lives without grace and without the peace of God because we never actually encountered the presence of God. Why? Because you and I fail at practicing worship the way God says gets my attention and my face towards you. The practice of worship that we're talking about today is the practice of worship that God says, I want, I want to respond in a favorable way by turning my face and my presence in your direction. When I'm in a moment where I need grace and I know I need peace, the promise of where those abide is in the presence of God. I can get into the presence of the Lord anytime. I don't need a band. I don't need anything. I've got my own instruments right here. I can lift my hands. I can lift my voice. And I can begin to tell God, Lord, you're worthy of it all. Friends, I want to live in a place that has the presence of God and the face of God shining in my direction. I want you to be a person that experiences the presence of God shining in your direction. And it happens and it occurs when we make a decision to practice our worship the way God defines worship. This week, I want to challenge you. Put this into practice. Find some music. When you're the private of your own space, in your car, in your house, turn on some worship and take a step expressing your worship in a way you've never done before. Never sang out loud, sing out loud. Never knelt, kneel. Never lifted your hands. Lift your hands. Never danced? Dance before the Lord. Pastor, that, that sounds like it's going to feel really, really awkward. Yep. Feel really awkward. No doubt about it. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, that's where the sacrifice comes in. Maybe, just maybe, you're killing your flesh in that moment. And that's called surrender. That's good. That's good. You're not earning anything. No, it's already a gift. Jesus has already torn the veil and allows you into his presence. It's up to us to enter the way that he's described that gets us into his presence. That's what we get to do. Would you stand with me? And if you would, grab your communion elements. As you hold them there in your hand, I want you to hear the words of this song and hear it as a repentant prayer and confession of your heart to the Lord. Let's listen to these words. Go ahead and close your eyes and just hold the elements out. God in your presence. You. I just want to sing. 
and our worship Lord it's because of the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that were broken and poured out at Calvary that atoned for our sins and our faith and our reception of those things allows us the privilege through Jesus Christ to come into your presence making us new allowing us to experience the mercy where once we experienced no mercy allowing us to experience the transformation from darkness to light from rebellious to forgiven so lord as we take these elements today make us clean again may we be united in christ as we celebrate his body broken and his blood poured out for us we honor you, Jesus. Go ahead and take the bread. Now the juice. us and keep us would you make your face shine on us moving your presence in our direction and be gracious to us would you lift your countenance your presence towards us and give us peace in the name of the father son and holy spirit we pray and all god's people said amen amen this hey friends and family i hope today's message was life-giving for you I wanna ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or 
text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.